They, they sang to the king, just not the one that the, that the soldiers wanted them to. Well, that's good. By the way, I enjoy those, uh, those hymn stories. I really do. So, Grant, anytime you want to do that, that'd be fine. I, uh, I, it gives, uh, gives you a new perspective on the song, and uh, it really uh, helps you understand a little bit about the heart that wrote, that wrote the song. And that's what's a blessing. All right, take your Bibles this morning and turn to two places. One is Genesis chapter 5, and the other one is Hebrews chapter 11. We're not going to stay in either one of these places, but we're going to use these as as jump-off points for the message this morning. Hebrews 11 and Genesis chapter 5. So I'll stand together, if you would, as soon as you find Genesis 5 and Hebrews 11. In Genesis 5, we're going to read just uh, three verses. We're going to read verses 22 down through 24. This is speaking of, of Enoch, who was taken because he walked with God. It says in verse 22, And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years, and begat sons and daughters, and all the days of, of Enoch were 360 and five years. And Enoch walked with God. And he was not, for God took him. Now go with me over to Hebrews, chapter 11, and just one verse, verse 5. It says in verse 5, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found, because God had translated him, for before his translation he had this testimony, that he pleased God. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we pray your blessings upon your word as it goes forth into our hearts this morning. And uh, Father, I, I pray that you'd impress upon our hearts this morning the importance of having a consistent and a faithful and an everyday walk with our Lord and Savior. Uh, God, we love you this morning. I'm, I'm so thankful for the salvation that was offered to me many years ago freely in Jesus Christ. I'm thankful that you forgave me of all my sins and gave me eternal life. Thank you, Lord, for not only for the eternal life, but the grace that you give us every single day to live for you until you come to get us. We pray that you would bless this time together. And Lord, please, uh, our prayer and our desires that you would have uh, free course. The Word of God would have free course, that the Spirit of God would have free course in this place, and that you would, you would speak to our hearts. And uh, Father, when, as you do, may our desire be that we want to do what you'd speak to us about, that we might be obedient to you. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Enoch is a fellow that uh, really doesn't show up much in Scripture. He's really in about three different places. He's over in the book of Jude. He's in the book of Hebrews. He's, he's here in the book of, of, uh, of Genesis. And uh, there's not really much said about him. And oftentimes what we think of about Enoch, and rightfully so, is the fact that the Bible says that God translated him. God took him. And he took him, uh, uh, and, and took him bodily, just took him up. And the reason why we get so excited about that is because that's a picture. It's a picture of what's going to happen to us someday if we are alive when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back and, and returns for his own. 
But that really isn't his claim for fame. You know what his claim of fame really is? It says, Enoch walked with God. And, and there, there, there are really two things in the book of Hebrews that it says that he did. First of all, he walked with God. Second of all, in his walk, he pleased the Lord. He walked with God. He, he pleased God. I, I think because he walked with God, he pleased the Lord. Because he pleased the Lord, he walked with God. They two kind of go, go hand in hand. And the, the thing that's always been amazing to me is that he did that without any, any written revelation. He had no Bible. He could not, you know, as he, when he got into a difficulty or he got discouraged, he could not go to a place in Scripture because there was no Scripture and be encouraged. Uh, he did it without, without, without Scripture. He did it without the Holy Spirit of God on the inside. If you're, if you're saved this morning... Uh, the Bible says your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The moment you trusted Christ as Savior, He came inside of you. He sealed you with that Holy Spirit of promise. And, and you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. He had no Holy Spirit inside of Him. He had no Bible. And yet, the Bible says that He walked with God. If He could walk with God without those two things, how much more should you and I be able to, to, to walk with the Lord? And I believe one of, the, one of the greatest needs that we have today in Christianity and, and, and really in Freedom Baptist Church is that as a congregation, as individuals, it starts with individuals, then it goes to the congregation, but it starts with individuals as individuals that we simply walk with the Lord. Now, what does, what does walking or even walking with God, what does it involve, what does it entail? Well, walking entails several different things. First of all, it means you're going to move. It means you're not going to stay stagnant. It means you're not just going to sit somewhere. You're going to do something. You're going to move, and you're going to move in a forward direction. The implication is, is, is moving forward. I was, I was listening to a, uh, a, a, a recording of a man that was teaching teachers how to teach. And he made a, a very, very good, good comment. He said, he said, you know, he said, what would you rather drink from? Uh, would you rather drink from running water or from stagnant still water? Well, the obvious answer is you'd much rather drink from, from running water. I remember years ago over in, uh, at uh, Circle 7 Ranch over just south of Honeyoy, <clears throat> we, we used to hike up and down up and down the, the, uh, the hills there. And uh, there were some places where there were little streams that, that flowed down. And I can remember taking my, my hands and cupping them and getting that water and drinking it. And it was always, it was always good. Uh, of course, you never know what might have been at the source of the water, but it sure tasted good by the time it got down to where I was. And, uh, but you know what? I never, I never went to a place where it was still, where the water was still, where there was stuff floating on the water because it hadn't gone anywhere for a long time. I didn't go over there and, and scoop up water and put it to my mouth. No way. Well, you know, uh, when it comes to, when it comes to uh, uh, the Christian life, we need to stay moving and we need to stay active and we need to be learning things. So that, so that we can be a blessing to others. Walking also implies consistency. 
you know, walking is not a sprint. Uh, walking isn't a short race. It's a, it's a long-term thing. And it, it didn't say that, that Enoch walked with God for a short period of time. It says he walked with God. It, mean, it implies that he did so on a daily basis, on a consistent basis, and he continually walked with him. Walking demands agreement. In uh, Amos chapter 3 and verse 3, it says, Can two walk together? Except they be agreed. And, uh, and the truth is... Uh, if you don't agree with someone, you're not going to walk very far with them. And so when, when Enoch was walking with God, it signified the fact that he was in, also in agreement with God. Walking demands concentration. Uh, and if you don't believe it, <clears throat> just kind of ride around Auburn someday and watch people that are, uh, that are consumed with their, uh, with their iPhone or whatever it is, whatever device they have, and uh, have you ever seen somebody bump into a phone pole or bump into a tree or bump into people? You know why? Because they're not concentrating. They're walking, but they're not concentrating. Walking demands concentration. And, and walking is done on purpose. You know, just a moment ago, I said, I said uh, uh, walk around and, and shake hands with folks around you. And uh, quite a few of you got up and you walked around. Why did you do that? Because you determined to do it. It doesn't just happen. When it comes to our walk with God, it doesn't just happen. It happens because we want it to happen. We walk with God because we want to walk with God and we determine and decide to walk with God. Uh, walking... Uh, uh, involves uh, deciding how we walk, where we walk, and with whom we walk. All those decisions are part of walking. And the more we walk, the more strength and endurance we build up and the more strength we, and endurance we need in order to continue our walk. And walking is achievable. You know, God didn't say run with me. He says walk with me. He didn't say that... that uh, you know, that, that Enoch uh, did a marathon with him. It says he walked with him. And that's something that's achievable. Sometimes I think we look at Bible characters and we get this idea in our head that, well, yeah, but they were different. Uh, they, they're not like I... Listen, Enoch was flesh and blood just like you are, just like I am. Uh, he had the same trials, he had the same temptations, he had the same difficulties, he had the same weaknesses, but he made a decision. And the decision that he made was to walk with God. Uh, back last week, Brother Stiles was with us, and he, and he made, a, made a comment. I agree wholeheartedly with it. He was talking about the, the political scene, he was talking about uh, the moral scene of our country, and, and of our state. And it's a mess. There's no doubt about it. And he made the comment. He said, listen, he says, uh, the answer is not in politicians. The answer is not in government. The answer is not in the president. Uh, whether you agree with this one or disagree with this one, uh, it, it's, it's not in any of those things. The, the answer is revival. The answer is God getting a hold of his people. And I, I agree with that. I agree with that. But can you imagine what would take place if every single person, every single one of us today, walked out of this place with a resolve that 
I will this week walk with God. Now again, it isn't something that you just automatically do. It's something you determine to do, you set your heart to do it, you decide to do it, and then you walk with God. Can I tell you something? It stir this church. It would stir this church. You're all looking at me like a tree full of olives. You've got to be kidding. Really? You really think it would, preacher? Yeah, I do. If we just decided, as, and it starts with individuals. You, you know, you say, well, I'll walk with God if my wife walks with God. Well, I'll walk with God if my husband walks with God. Well, I'll walk with God if my, my friend... Listen, there is nobody else that was walking with God with Enoch. Right? I mean, nobody else has mentioned he did it all by himself. You know why he did it? Because it was a priority with him. Most important thing in Enoch's life, and again, we don't know much about Enoch's life. We, don't, we know very, very little. Just the little bit that we get bits and pieces from the, the verses that we find. I do find it interesting that it says as soon as, as Enoch uh, had Methuselah, had a child, then he decided to walk with God. <laughs> It sure looks like that the birth of, of Methuselah really rang his bell and made him, made him see personally the importance of, of him having a personal and a consistent and a constant walk with the Lord. Now, what does, what does walking with God require? Take your Bibles and turn with me over to Colossians 1. We're going to be looking up a lot of verses, and I was, going to, I was just going to write them down and quote them this morning. I thought, no, we need to look at these, these verses because I believe there isn't anything more important in our Christian lives than for us to determine on a day-by-day, moment-by-moment basis to simply just walk with the Lord. What does walking require? Colossians chapter 1 and look with me down in verses 9 through 12. Colossians 1, 9 through 12. Paul is writing to the church at Colossae, and he says, for, for this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Now go back to verse, one, verse 9. It says, for, for this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire, uh, to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and understanding and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk, and that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. What does walking require? Walking with God requires, first of all, a desire. Now, I realize the desire that's expressed here is the desire that Paul had. Paul said, we have a desire, and that's why we've been praying that, that you would walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, you'd walk worthy of the Lord, and, uh, but, but it's, it's not going to happen if we don't have a desire. It starts with us. 
I, I, I've heard this years ago, and it is, it is so true, and it's such a simple thing. But right now, right where you sit, between you and God, you are just as close as you want to be. You say, well, no, I'm not as close as I used to be with the Lord. That's because you don't have desire. That's because you don't want to be. You know what? I'm thankful I've got a God who will not push me off when I want to draw nigh to him. In fact, the scripture tells me, draw nigh to God and he'll do what? He'll draw nigh to you. I, you have to forgive me. I, I think of this every time I, I quote that verse. But you scooch over and he scooches over. <laughs> and that's just how it works. You know, my, my wife and I will be, be uh, uh, sitting on love seat together. And if one of us scoots, scooches over, the other one kind of scooches over a little bit further. Why is that? Well, because the one causes the other. And God says, listen, you want me to scooch over? You do it first. And the truth is we're, we are just as close to God as we desire to be. Paul desired that they, they walk with the Lord and he wanted them to have that same desire. Second thing is that, that's needed in order to, to walk with the Lord is you've got to have wisdom. According to verse 9, you've got to have wisdom. You've got to have knowledge. You've got to have an understanding of the Word. You can't walk with God and, and uh, not spend time today. Uh, in this day and age, God doesn't speak to us through visions. He doesn't speak to us through dreams like he did back in the Old Testament. He doesn't give audible commands. He gives us commands through his word. He gives us assurances through his word. He gives us comfort through his word. And in, in order for us to walk with the Lord, we need to have a knowledge and we need to have a wisdom and we need to have some understanding of the word of God. We need to spend time in it. Another thing that walking requires is pleasing God. Uh, understand this. You know, and this, this probably sounds overly simplistic and I don't mean to be, but it's really true. When it comes to walking with God, God does not join you. He doesn't, okay? You join him. You're on one path, he's on the other, and you say, you know what, I want to walk with you. He doesn't come over to you, you go over to him. You know, I, I don't, I don't, and I, I may be wrong. I, I tried to look for it, uh, and, and I, I, I couldn't find it, so I don't think it's in there. But show me a place where it says that God walked with so-and-so. I don't find that in Scripture. I find where individuals walk with God. Now, he allows us to do that, and we have a real privilege of being able to do that, but it's not his choice, it's our choice. He desires for you to walk with him. It's not, it's not like you have to beg him to allow you to walk with him. He wants you to walk with him, and he wants you to walk with him on a day-by-day -day basis. And, and the way we do that is by consciously trying to please the Lord. Uh, we, we ought to have a desire in our hearts to every single moment of every day of just, just pleasing him. Then down in verse 11, it says, "...strengthen with all might according to his glorious power and all patience and long suffering." With joyfulness. Walking with God 
means you've got to be patient. And one of the things that, that uh, I think really destroys Christian living is, is we live in an instant society and we expect that God will respond to our desires, to our prayers, to our needs immediately. Um, listen, I, I, I got news for you. We serve him. We are, we are the servants. He is the master. It's not the other way around. And is God gracious to us? Yes. Does God take care of us? Yes, he does. But, but understand what the relationship is there. We choose to walk with him. We choose to serve him. And so we need to be patient. We need to be long-suffering. You know, that there's a difference between patience and long-suffering. You can be patient and not suffer. Long-suffering means you pay a price for the patience. And you willingly pay that price for the patience. You think about it. Uh, anyone that, that ever was in any kind of, whether it, be, whether it be walking or whether it be running exercises, uh, it used to be, until my knees got shot, I used to try to walk at least two miles a day. And, and I enjoy walking. I really do. In fact, I miss it. Uh, but uh, uh, I, had to, I had to sometimes make myself get out of bed in the morning and put on my sweatpants and put on my sweatshirt and go on out and walk. Why? Well, because I, I knew that at a particular point of that two-mile walk, it was going to start getting uncomfortable. And I was going to start sweating. And, you know, it, it doesn't, as you know, it doesn't take much for me to sweat. Uh, I mean, I can, I, <laughs> I, can, I can walk a half a block and all of a sudden the sweat starts pouring out. That's just the, that's just the way I am. But... Uh, uh, I, I was willing to do that because of the benefits of walking. Well, are you willing to put up with some suffering? Are you willing to put up with some difficulty? Are you will, willing to do so? And notice it says patience, long-suffering with joyfulness. Not just enduring it, but, but, but enduring it in joy because you know it's bringing you closer to your God. And then the last thing, down in verse 12, it says, Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. When it comes to, when it comes to uh, a walking with the Lord, it requires the desire to walk, knowledge and wisdom and understanding of the Word. It, it requires a, de a desire to want to please God. It, it requires patience, long-suffering, and a joyful spirit and a grateful heart. When we cut down our thanksgiving, and I'm not talking about the holiday, okay? But when we cut down our, our thanksgiving on a daily basis, we pull back from our walk. The more grateful I am, the closer I'm walking to God. The less grateful I am. And when I say grateful... I don't mean just saying I'm grateful. I mean telling God what I'm grateful for on a daily basis. I, honestly, there, there ought not to hardly be a day that, you, that goes by when you don't bow your head and say, God, thank you for my salvation. Uh, if you eat breakfast in the morning, you ought to bow your head before you eat that breakfast and say, God, thank you that I made it through the night. <laughs> and the way some of you look, you really ought to thank God very, very much for that. 
<clears throat> I'm talking about the guy who's also behind the pulpit. Uh, but, but, the, but, the, but the truth is, is that uh, we, we, really, I, we really don't spend a lot of time thanking God. And the more I thank God, the closer I get to him. And that's an absolute requirement when it comes to walking with the Lord. If, if we're to walk with God, how do we do it? Well, there's, I looked up some verses, and I, and I found seven things. Isn't that amazing? Seven things. They're, they're probably eight or nine, but I decided seven was a good number, so we just stopped right there. But I, I found seven different things that God says that are necessary in order for us to walk with him, how we walk with him. Take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 6. Romans 6 and 1 Corinthians 3. Do two at a time. You're sharp people. You can do that. Romans chapter 6. What are you laughing for? I'm serious. Romans chapter 6 and 1 Corinthians 3. Romans chapter 6, 1 Corinthians 3. Romans 6. Look down in verse... Verse 4 says, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism and into death. That's not talking about water baptism. That's talking about being placed into Jesus Christ. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. He didn't just say we should also walk in life. He said newness of life. That means the way we walk as saved people is different than the way we would walk if we were not saved. First uh, Corinthians chapter three. Look down at verse three. It says, "For ye are yet carnal." Now he's talking to the church at Corinth, and there was all kinds of stuff going on there. These were saved people. They, you know, these these were not lost people. These were saved people that were living a carnal Christian. Christianity, a carnal Christian life. And uh, he says, for ye are yet carnal. In other words, they, they, should have, they should have grown more than they did, and they didn't. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? We're, when, when it comes to walking with God, we're not supposed to walk carnally with God. That means we don't walk with God in the flesh, in, in, in our own fleshly strength. Uh, when it comes to walking with God, there's nothing sensual about that. I, there, there's a, there's a, a brand of Christianity, that, that, uh, or a type of so-called Christianity, that tries to, tries to make, make uh, the Christian life a, a touchy-feely, sensual thing. It's not that way at all. It's not that way at all. It's, 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 a, it's a spiritual thing. It's not a sensual thing. It's not natural, but it's spiritual. And, Christian, and, and according to that verse, he says, says, Christians are not to walk like men. In other words, we're not supposed to walk like regular people walk. It's different. Let me ask you something. And I'm not talking about your feet and your legs, okay? When it comes to your daily walk with God... Can anybody tell the difference? 
anybody look at you and say, boy, there's something different about them? I can't put my finger on it. Lost people should look at you and say, you are peculiar. Now, and, and I'm not talking about being a weirdo and wearing a tinfoil hat or anything like that, okay? But they should be able to, they should be able to just look at your mannerisms because you're walking. Listen, walking with God is not what most people are doing today. Not only is the majority of the world not doing that, obviously the world isn't doing that at all, but most Christians today don't even walk with God. So guess what? You start walking with God and you're going to stand out. You're going to look peculiar. You're going to, you're going to appear differently. Christians are not to walk as, as fleshly people walk. If we walk with God, it's extremely noticeable. It was noticeable to Paul that they were not walking with God. And if they were walking with God, it would be noticeable as well. Take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians here in 1 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 and down in verse 17. Ephesians 4, 17. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. What, what he's saying is, is, he's saying that the world, worldly Gentiles, and that's what we are, we're, we're Gentiles, we're not Jews, uh, but we're Gentiles, a Gentile is just simply anybody who's not a Jew. And, and, and he, says, he says, Gentiles walk in vain things, things that don't count, things that don't matter. Like the book of Ecclesiastes, vanity of vanity, all is vanity. Uh, we ought to be different. The things that we walk with, the things that we think about, the things that we do ought to make a difference. They ought to be different. Uh, go to Ephesians 5 and look down in verse 8. Ephesians 5, 8. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now ye, uh, are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. In other words, there is a huge difference. There's a difference between the way that the world walks. There's a difference between the way a carnal Christian walks and the way a person who walks with God walks. And when you walk with God, people notice. Another thing about, about walking with God, how we do it, we, we need to do it uh, not in our own strength, but in the strength of the Spirit of God. Go to Galatians. You're in Ephesians. Just back up a book. Go to Galatians chapter six, 16, yeah. Chapter 5, verse 16. If you can find Galatians 16 in your Bible, I'd like to see it. Um, but Galatians chapter 5 and verses 16 and 25. Verse 16 says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Verse 25. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Uh, it, it, it makes it real plain and real clear that uh, when, we, when we walk with the Lord, we're doing so after the Spirit and not after the flesh. Uh, back up to the book of Romans. Go to Romans chapter, chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. 
And if you want, want three chapters that will really help you with this business, with walking with God, Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 7, and Romans chapter 8, those, those three, particularly Romans 6 and 8, uh, have a lot to deal with that. But if you look with me in, in uh, Romans 8, look in verses 1 and 4. Verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh. Not just save people, but save people who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Down in verse 4, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. In other words, you don't do what the flesh tells you to do. You do what the Spirit of God tells you to do. And it's a conscious thing with you. When you're walking with the Lord, you constantly want to follow the Spirit of God. Um, I have a, a situation that has just recently come up in my life. And uh, a, a decision that I have to make. And uh, uh, I think I already know which way that decision is going to go, but I'm not sure. I, I'm, not, I'm not positive. Uh, and, and I've gone to God and I've said, now God, if, if the way I'm going on this decision is not the right way, would you please show me obviously that I'm wrong? Would you, just, would you make it so plain and so clear? And you know why I ask that? Because I'm not too terribly bright. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm not saying that to be funny. I, I, I sometimes need God to come and just say, look, this is the way it is. Stumble over it a couple of times and I'll figure it out. Uh, but but I've, I've gone to God and said, listen, I don't, want, I don't want the decision on this thing to be flesh. It's the way I believe God wants me to go. How many of you ever, have you ever made a decision, don't raise your hand, but you ever made a decision and you thought you were spiritual and you found out later it was all flesh? I made decisions like that. Uh, you, know, you know what I believe walking with God entails? Having a conscious desire to, I don't want to go that way. I don't want to go down the flesh road. I don't want to go down the carnal road. I want to go down the spirit road. I want the spirit of God to lead me, to guide me, and to direct me. Uh, it's giving in to, to spiritual reactions, to gi giving in to right reactions, not fleshly and natural reactions. That's walking with the spirit. You know, what do you follow after? This last week, what did you follow after? Did you primarily follow after the Spirit, or did you basically do what you want to do? Now, you know, sometimes we think, well, following after the flesh is getting into all, into all kinds of immorality and killing people and lying. And No, no, no. You know, what, you know what following the flesh is? Just simply doing what you want to do. Is that how... You know, the truth of the matter is this. When I follow the Spirit... I know I'm following the Spirit because there's a certain amount of flesh that pulls me in the other direction. Have you ever, have you ever been somewhere out in public? You've had a track in your pocket or in your purse, and there was no still small voice, but you knew because the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you, God prompted you to give out a track. And it could be a little embarrassing. 
And you're going through that in your mind. What you do will be determined by who are you following. You follow the flesh, you'll say, mm, I don't think so. I've done that. <laughs> I'm not telling tales on you. I'm telling tales on me. I've done that. Other times I'll say, well, okay, I'll, I'll do it, Lord. I don't want to do it, Lord. But I'll do it. What is that? That's following the Spirit of God. Now, will, your, will the flesh tug at you and try to get you not to? Yeah. Uh-huh. But again, you make the choice. You decide who you're going to follow. Another way that we, we, uh, that we walk with the Lord. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. You're in Galatians. Go to Ephesians. Next book. Ephesians chapter 4. And look in the first three verses with me. Therefore, I therefore, the, this is Paul speaking, he said, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called with all loneliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, he said, walk worthy. One of the ways we're supposed to walk is we're supposed to walk worthy. Now, I realize none of us is worthy of God, and I understand that. But he's saying, as a Christian, you need to walk properly. You need to walk worthy and here are the essential attitudes in order to do it. Lowliness. That's just simply freedom from pride. Freedom from any, any kind of haughtiness, thinking anything to yourself. Meekness. That's submission to God's will. That's, uh, in fact, I, I looked this up in the 1828 dictionary. I love this definition. It's forbearance under injuries and provocations. That's meekness. Even when you're injured... Even when you're provoked, you're still going to do right. Uh, Long-suffering, that's just being patient and, and, uh, uh, and, and enduring whatever you need to endure during difficulty. Uh, forbearing one another in love, that's withholding from action, exercising patience and indulgence. All of those, all of those attitudes are necessary in order for us to walk worthy and to walk with the Lord. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. You're in Ephesians. Go to chapter 2. And look down in verse 10. Here's another, another way that we walk with the Lord. In, in verse 10, and verses 8 and 9 talk about salvation. For by grace he saves through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And then in verse 10, it says, for we are his workmanship. Now I say, once you've been saved, understand this. You are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We're supposed to walk. If you're walking with the Lord, you're going to be walking in good works. In other words, what, what that simply means is you do right on purpose. When was the last time you purposed, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this for God. I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say this for God. I'm going, I'm going to plan this, and I'm going to plan this for God. Uh, you know, what, what is the ministry that you have? You say, huh, I haven't, I haven't been called to full-time ministry. Uh, listen, maybe not in the same capacity as I have been, but 
every single saved person here ought to have a ministry because you've been called to minister. All of us have. And sometimes, you know, we've taken those words like, like calling a preacher a minister, and that's, that's fine. I don't have any problem with that. But sometimes we think they're the ministers and we aren't. No, we all are. We all are. Every, listen, you, you study your New Testament. Every New Testament believer ought to have at least one ministry that they're doing for God. God has equipped you. He's given you gifts. He's given you spiritual abilities. He's given you, he's given you natural abilities and talents. You didn't get that on your own. You got that because God gave it to you, whatever it might be. What are you doing with it? What ministry are you in? Everybody has a ministry. Ephesians 4.1 says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. He isn't just talking about his job. He's talking about the vocation of walking and serving and ministering for Jesus Christ. And, and he's, he's not talking to preachers. He's talking to the church at Ephesus. He's talking to everybody in that church. What is your ministry or ministries? Everybody's got one. Everybody, that doesn't mean you're working it, but that means you've got one. You've got one that God wants you to do. And what are you doing with it? Are you fulfilling it? Another way that we, that we walk with the Lord, go to Ephesians 5. A lot of verses in Ephesians. Ephesians 5, look at verses 1 through 4. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love. As Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us, offering uh, for an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks." The Bible says that when, when we walk with the Lord, we, walk, we ought to walk in love. Uh, that's loving others. Loving God first, obviously, but then also loving others. And if you have anything in your life that's in verses 3 and 4, if you have fornication, if you have any uncleanness, if there's a covetous spirit about you, uh, if, if there's any filthiness, if there's any foolish talking, jesting, which are not convenient, and the lack of thanks, then the love won't be there. That's contrary to love. And, and sometimes the reason why we can't love folks the way that we love folks is because we've got junk in our lives we're not supposed to have. Get rid of the junk. Get rid of the garbage. Get rid of that, that, those fleshly things that we're walking in, and we're able to walk in love. Chapter 5, down in verse 15, says, uh, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Another way that we're supposed to walk when it comes to walking with the Lord is circumspectly. What does that mean? That just means walk cautiously. Walk cautiously. Walk carefully. Be watching for dangers. The uh, Bible says, In the last days, perilous times shall come. i got news for you. We're there. <laughs> we are here. We are in the last days. Perilous means dangerous. It's not just dangerous in general. It's dangerous to you. There are, there are all kinds of spiritual dangers out there. We ought to be very, very careful. And that's why I believe it's so important for us to have a separated Christian life. 
and to consciously try to separate yourself from the world and from the flesh and from the devil and all the stuff that's out there, those things will pull at you all the time. But we ought to be careful. We ought to be circumspect. When you're walking with God, you pay attention to what's going on. Understand, Enoch did not live in a trouble-free time. <laughs> I have people, people I mean, it was just prior to the time of Noah's flood. The Bible tells us that as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be at the coming of the Son of Man. Uh, I, well, I don't, we're not there yet, and it's pretty bad now. I believe in, in Enoch's day, uh, there was all kinds of stuff that was going on. And, and because Enoch's day and, and Noah's day kind of, kind of overlapped. And uh, there was all kinds of He had to be on his toes all the time. And the, the last way that we, thing that is necessary and that it is, is a way that we walk with the Lord is we, we need to do it by faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. You know, we, we, we walk with the Lord and we trust Him. We walk with the Lord. We don't, when, we're, when you're walking with God, you're not worrying. When you're walking with God, you're not fretting. When you're walking with God, uh, you're just trusting Him. And that's what Enoch did. He, he trusted his God every step of the way. And walking with God is just simply this. It's doing so one day at a time. The last, oh, I would say, and you can correct me, Chuck, I would say at least, at least the last year, one of the favorite sayings that Barb Beam had about her, about her own personal battle with cancer was I'm just living one day at a time. Am I right about that? One day at a time. Can I tell you what? That's not just the attitude we ought to have when we're going through that kind of difficulty. That's the Christian life. You say, how do you walk with God? How do you, how do, you do such a huge task? One day at a time. When you, when you swing your, your feet out from underneath the covers and they hit that cold floor, what are you thinking? <laughs> I know what a lot of you are thinking of. What's, what's the next step? Can I, can I stand up without falling flat on my face? Uh, you know, uh, should I keep on going or should I go back underneath the covers? Uh, I understand all that. But, but when, you find, when you finally get cognizant, you know what's going on, do you think, how am I going to live for God today? How am I going to walk for God today? How am I going to get close to God today? That ought to be a desire that's in our hearts. I want to close with one verse, and I want you to look at it with me. Go to 1 Thessalonians, and look at chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. First Thessalonians 4, look at the very first verse of the chapter. It says, furthermore, then we beseech you. Beseech. You know what that means? We beg you. Won't you please pay attention? May I say this to you this morning? Won't you please pay attention? Your family is at stake. Our church is at stake. Our state is at stake. Our country 
is at stake. You know, I think we ought to pray for our country. Don't get me wrong. But I think there's lots of times when we as God's people, we do more praying than we do walking with God. We pray for our country and then we go out and do our own thing and walk in the flesh. He says, furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more. What, what he basically is saying is just, would you please have a desire in your heart to please God and have a desire in your heart to walk with God. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we pray that you would get a hold of our hearts this morning and, and God, give us, give us a desire. Uh, give us a hunger to want to walk with you, to want to follow you, to want to please you. There wasn't anything that, that Enoch was more concerned about on any given day than just pleasing his God. And you've told us that without faith it's impossible to please you. So God, we just pray that you would instill in our hearts this morning, maybe there's, maybe there's some things, maybe there's some junk in there. There's some flesh in there that we've been following. And Lord, you want us to cut that, that stuff off and just follow you. It's so easy for us to just kind of put it on automatic pilot. And God, I, I know what happens when I put myself on automatic pilot. I automatically revert to the flesh every time. I walk as men. And God, I pray that that would not be the case this morning. Lord, as you speak to our hearts about things that we need to take care of, things that we need to get rid of, things that we need to add, maybe just a, a desire and maybe just a consciousness every day to want to walk with you. Lord, I believe that is really the key to revival in America, to revival in, in, in our state, to revival at Freedom Baptist Church. Help us, God, just to have a desire and to determine to walk with God. Bless this invitation. And please have your will and way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand.